0: Hello, welcome to Apple Chat. My name's Benjamin, and I'm here with my co-host, Joey. Hello. And today we're talking about The Phantom of the Opera, a movie that was requested uh, to us by Screamily, at ABCDEMLE on Twitter.
1: This movie is an opera. Directed by Joel Batnipples Schumacher. And our cast includes, Are You Not Entertained? Emmy Rosam, and Lo Silverson. I watched this movie on Netflix. Joey, how did you watch this movie? I actually watched it on half on Amazon, and then when I realized it was on
0: Netflix, I watched the rest of it on Netflix. So you can check out, yeah, if you got Amazon or you got Netflix, you can check this movie out. It's everywhere. Out. Yeah. Uh, Joey, go ahead and give us the synopsis.
1: Okay. A pair of businessmen purchase an opera house and deal with a squatter with an infinity for pranks. Yes, sir. That's Phantom
0: of the Opera, a movie that neither of us had seen before our plan, before this movie was requested. Uh, So, this is our. Well, before we move
1: on, don't you think we should do the rest of this review in song? (laughs) (laughs) I'm just kidding. That'd be a terrible idea. That would
0: honestly be on point, though. (laughs) I think, I honestly think if we took some of the main melodies from this from this uh musical we could make a pretty convincing podcast we actually probably just can't. putting some of the words in there uh they're very they're very iconic actually that's one of my favorite things uh, we're getting, getting into our prose section here uh one of my favorite things about this movie uh, the thing they do well is there are some killer earworm melodies that are used uh to great effect multiple times where you you just you recognize it instantly i mean the Phantom of the Opera song itself is super iconic, and it's uh, at the beginning of this movie. It's amazing. Uh, you just you're just like, oh, Phantom of the Opera, yeah, obviously the the organ chords and everything. Uh, yeah. But there's a bunch throughout this uh, opera. There's so many songs. You're like, wow, I recognize this melody too. I recognize this melody too. Mm. And they reuse them to the like. I almost felt like I could with the subtitles. I could sing along even when they got to parts of the movie where I hadn't heard those lyrics yet. Uh, so I like that. The people who are singing these songs were really good. I had no idea Gerard Butler had such an amazing voice.
1: Yeah, I totally agree.
0: Um, and as far as like the cinematography goes, there's great transitions throughout from past to present, and uh, just in general, great transitions. Especially the ones that transition from black and white to color, uh, or or vice versa. Although I don't remember the the going back to gray being all that great. I remember. Yeah, no, there was
1: just like a fade to black, and then it was gray again. Yeah, there
0: wasn't a lot the direction the the uh but going to color was really cool yeah very <laughs> as far as the feeling that this movie invokes i think the brooding and moody and kind of I don't want to say emo, because I always get like goth and emo <laughs> definitions confused, but you know, this is definitely a good movie yeah, for yeah. you and your goth GF, you know, because yeah. it's got the capes, and it's got that, it's great for spooktober, I uh, so it, def- it definitely has that tone, so. Yeah, it, it definitely uh, delivers on that aspect, and as far as things that I liked, my favorite characters were definitely the two new owners of the opera the two kind of businessmen buffoons who are just <laughs> just trying to make a buck off their investment
1: yeah they were good they were good comic relief i think yeah yeah i really liked the sets and the, the costumes um except for like the the plastic ones <laughs> i actually looked this up okay yeah
0: wait why don't plastic, you like the plastic ones
1: plastic wasn't invented until 1907 and this movie is set in 1870 so what is going on? Why are they wearing plastic costumes on their freaking set with their <laughs> giant plastic elephant? Anyway, okay, I'm already getting to the stuff I don't like, but I've already like No. Um I think like overall the it's very very good technically. There's a lot of good like direction and, and like set design and cinematography is you know there's a lot of detail and stuff to that, and I like that. Um, Could you tell
0: it was uh Schumacher? Like did you feel like the artist or the
1: direction was uh, indicative of his style? That's a good question. I don't... Not really. Except for when it was over, I was like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, (laughs) I didn't
0: know it was him until after either. I'm trying to remember if there was any of those... uh, We talked about it in the Batman and Robin episode with the tilted camera. Oh, the Dutch angle stuff? Dutch angle, yeah. I don't remember any Dutch angle. I didn't see that either. But I do remember a lot of close-ups, especially at the beginning of the film when when Mm. they're getting out of the car and he's getting in a wheelchair and stuff. I was like... Very close up, very com- somewhat reminiscent of the mm. uh suiting up for the Batmobile, it's just a lot slower
1: and like the, the, the grand sets and like all of that, and like the costumes and everything they are so elaborate, that's really indicative of Batman Robin, too. I think, yeah, yeah, so similar
0: in that way. Okay, so now to get on to a potentially larger or longer <laughs> section, our con <laughs> section. So, one of the things that I think is probably from my inexperience with opera, but this there are a lot of songs that kind of drag on being a, it's, it's like a conversation or a long sequence of plot exposition that instead of being spoken is, uh, the characters are singing it the whole time. Yeah. And it's just, it doesn't hold, it doesn't live up to some of the really nice, uh, dramatic, m- like iconic parts of this movie. There's a lot of yeah. forgettable singing sequences, uh, Over in a movie that is quite long as well. It's two hours and 20 minutes. So it kind of drags on a bit when they're singing the whole time. Uh, Also, uh, you know, I came into this not knowing anything about the Phantom of the opera. I knew he had the mask. I knew he had a cape and I knew he had the rose. Those are all things you can see on the cover of the movie. But Mm. he's I had no idea he was essentially a
1: predator. This guy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. okay, Like he's like he's literally like a nice guy. You know, yes. which is a term I, I really like, even though it's a little Orwellian. Like I don't know if you're yeah if yeah please are, I'm so much familiar with Elaborate this. Elaborate
0: on what a nice guy is, because I think you're a right. nice
1: guy is someone who is in, who feels entitled to a relationship because they have done enough enough nice things for like the women in, in their lives. Uh, I mean the example is like the punch card, right? Yes. It's like you've done enough. You've done enough. Like you hit you hit all the marks, right? You've done enough good things. Therefore, you are owed. A girlfriend. Yeah, you like, get, that's not how You it works. punch
0: the ticket, you do nine nice things for a woman, and you're like, um, uh, I'm trying to redeem this for sex now that was what, yes. that was one my, sex please yeah this is what i was here for the whole time uh which is obviously not how it works but the phantom yeah. seems to think that he gives this girl enough singing lessons that she'll bone him for eternity and that's not yes. how it works <laughs> like that she'll totally look past the fact that he lives in a dingy grotto
1: with a and he, she has no idea who he is yeah
0: like, <laughs> and and like he thinks maybe that's like to get her to look past the face i think there is something to be said about like dealing with the difficulties of having that face but i think he yeah. well we'll get into all that but what we're focusing on now was his plan was that okay let's start at the <laughs> beginning he gets rescued from the circus by yeah, yeah. this uh this little girl who's his age roughly his age okay yeah um same generation then they escape he starts living in the opera house that's cool whatever that's a better life than he had before sure she has a daughter the the girl that saved him her daughter, yes, not Kirsten Dunst. right. Her daughter is this around the same age as Christine. Yes. Okay. And now he's trying to get with Christine, so he's basically trying to get with his friend's daughter, which for me it's just like, oh, oh, not to mention that he's been grooming her since she was a little kid with yes. these singing lessons. So he's, he's definitely a predator. Later on, we see that he's a murderer. And um, we, I I don't get enough from him to uh, have any reason to overlook those things. And that's yeah. why I, I'm hashtag Team
1: Raul. Well, she says it at the very end. And I think this is like a really good point. It's like, you think you are so ugly on the outside, but it's really your soul that is really ugly. Oh, and it's roasted. Like, yeah, that's true. Like, he is not a good person, and there's nothing about him that's redeeming. And um, I think that just makes him so much less interesting as a character.
0: Agreed. I, I didn't... At no point was I like, "Oh, I hope the Phantom wins," or oh,
1: "Yeah, oh, I hope the Phantom gets what he wants." Yeah. like, nah, screw the Phantom. I
0: kind of did feel bad for him when we saw his kid flashbacks, but it's been a minute, you know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like, uh, so, anyways, childhood tra- trauma it yeah. doesn't,
1: yeah, it doesn't give you an excuse to be a freaking predator in an opera house, like, right,
0: right, exactly. Um, so yeah, that's basically, um, some of my cons. What did you think, Joey?
1: Okay, so I think this whole movie is terrible. Um, I think this movie is falls into the category of dangerously mediocre in that it's not even it's bad, but it's not bad in an interesting way. It's just bad. It's just boring and dumb. And I think like it's interesting that like the the world has kind of grown up a lot in the last fourteen years, like since two thousand and four. But I still think like the love triangle is such a tired cliche that just needs to be retired from like cinema altogether and, like, if you're not going to do an interesting or new take on it then just don't do it because it's not it's just dumb especially when in this movie you have a your main character who is a woman who has basically no agency the whole movie she she barely does anything and it's so frustrating because you're like how, why should i care at all i'm like this is it's so weird like you think of the myth of progress right you think about how things move forward in time. Like this movie comes out after Fight Club, which is like almost a perfect postmodern film in my in my eyes. There's all these like things in cinema that bring us forward in time and this movie brings us backward. And it for that reason I just think it's just not even worth watching. It's it's got all these really poor like all these bad repetitive songs. Like the songs are so simple. The melodies are so easy. They're, they're, they are literally what you said. They're earworms. You know? They stick in your head, but not because they're good, but because they, they're designed to be that way. They're, they're, this is a, a mass appeal opera, and I think that's to its big detriment. Like, it's not good. Um, it's just trying to be uh, like, good enough for a lot of people so it's like more accessible to more people, and I think that's not what it should be doing. It should be trying to show you all of the things that make opera great, not try and make opera. Not try to make opera compromise to our standards of, of like today.
0: So I one of the things I noticed was the sh- stark contrast between the opera that we see or listen to that's considered the soundtrack of this opera, yeah. And, versus the opera that we hear Carlotta um, practicing at the very beginning, where she's like, it's for me, it's kind of unpleasant. Again, I'm not a big opera fan, but she's singing like really high notes, really extended like the words last like 15 seconds each where she's just like really singing really high mm. notes and at at the very least I feel like it gets a little bit more contemporary as it goes on. Do you Yeah. I mean, I don't really know opera very well, but do you, are you saying it's like it's more of a mass appeal version of opera versus like sticking to what makes opera opera? Or I guess how, how is it more mass
1: appeal? well, I think I mean, I don't know a lot about opera either, but I think it's like the the air guitars, or like, I mean not the air guitars, the electric guitars in, in the in the like in the soundtrack. Like, I don't think that's appropriate mm-hmm. for what we're trying to do. And like the the songs are all poppy and like catchy, and I think that's like missing the point almost. Like, they should be reinforcing the themes of the movie instead of just trying to be like. You know, trying to get you earworms. to be
0: humming the song as you walk out. Um,
1: <laughs> exactly. Okay.
0: Well, let, let's. Let, well, we can elaborate on this as we head into our yeah, overall yeah. section. So, uh, for, for me, I think this movie's for all the high school drama kids. I think it's. <laughs> it's got the masks. It's got the capes. It's got a splendid theater, uh, and it's got the guy who's living in the basement for decades preying on little girls. So, you know, it's...
1: classic. (laughs) Everything you need. Uh, It's every
0: point, yes. Yeah, Uh, but no, it's it's got iconic melodies that carry you through a story that centers around a love triangle between these three characters with varying levels of agency. Um, I honestly I, I kind of went into this movie thinking I may be too lowbrow to appreciate it uh, because as soon as I saw the movie takes place in Paris I was like oh, oh god this movie's so pretentious <laughs> like <it's> so <laughs> this movie's too good for me already um, but I don't know I just I think that the style, it's very singing heavy, even for a musical. There's like, like I said before, there's a lot of things where you're like, dang, I can't believe they're
1: singing this instead of just talking like (laughs) 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 there's. Yeah, that's that's a that's a really good point. And I think that's like to this movie's detriment as well. Like the songs are all just flowery exposition instead of creative ways of showing complex feelings or thoughts. Like think back to Chicago, which is the last musical we did, they have like the story is interesting, the drama is interesting, but what makes the movie great, in my opinion, is that the songs kind of uh portray these uh, like complex and like deep emotions that the characters are feeling in like really creative and really like clear ways. Like the whole Razzle Dazzle song, like especially like shows you like the dichotomy between what Richard Gere's character is doing and what's actually happening. And then there's like there's that very first song, well not the very first song, but one of the first songs that um. Uh, Renee Zellweger sings where she's like talking about how her husband is like so good to her or whatever, and then like that changes throughout the song. Like that that shows you like what she's thinking, but also how that changes and everything. It's it's really interesting, and it doesn't in a way that's really creative. This movie just tells you what's happening, and there's singing, but there's it's in song. The songs aren't. Like there is no rhyme, there's no like reason behind it. It's just like, oh, we have something boring to say. Why don't we sing it instead? That will be make it more interesting. Yeah,
0: it's in- I don't think it does. It's interesting because they almost seamlessly go from performance that is supposed to literally be happening to characters in the story singing because it's a, a musical, right? Yeah. So they almost like uh seamlessly cross that threshold, which you can. It's it's interesting style, but I think at some point you're just you're not taking the musical side of it to its full potential because we're just watching people stand and sing when you could be taking us somewhere completely different. You're already taking us out of reality by having them sing and they're not actually in a musical. Singing. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. So, um,
1: yeah, because that's what like that's what makes musicals interesting is like this suspe- this extended suspension of disbelief, right? Like you, the singing in the story is supposed to be metaphoric of thoughts and feelings and stuff but it, when your story centers around an opera it becomes a little bit more muddled because you're like are they singing on stage or are they singing about singing right and like this i mean the perfect example is when uh christine it, like it like there's that transition right and she starts singing that song think of me well, yeah she's singing yes. think of me at the and beginning. then raul joins in but right before that like it interrupts the, like the singing actually interrupts the story he stands up and he says bravo and then he gives three quick claps <laughs> And then he leaves. So it's like, wow, I guess he didn't like it that much, Raul.
0: Yeah. And he starts singing it himself, too. The same exact song. So it's not even... Oh. You can't tell if it's like, oh, Raul just really likes the melody. And he now he's singing to himself because he's like, yeah, can yeah. it be, can it be Christine? Like, are, are you singing but That's this? not the song. Are you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, uh, so, I don't know. I think for, that was an, uh, 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 maybe a confusing choice. Um, but... Anyways, obviously musicals are supposed to have singing, uh, yeah. but
1: it's, and that's not the yeah that's not the problem I have with this movie. Right. The problem is not the singing, and like I understand the nature of opera is to like have almost everything sung, but there's a there's like a better way to do it. You know, there's a way to for it to not just be exposition. Right, right, which is what this movie is like like heavily centered on.
0: Right, and that's what I was trying to say. Like it's it's just the way it was executed just seemed tiresome to me, and uh, mm. and and that uh, so yeah now let's let's hear from you Joey. let's get a little bit of your overall
1: (laughs) well buckle up because i got a lot to say all right then Uh, so uh, as i mentioned technically speaking this movie is is just fine like there's nothing wrong with the directing the set design costume design that's all cool the singing is uh, obviously like high caliber you have a lot of like really good singers in this movie and they really showcase that with all like the range and stuff that they have but like the actual substance of the movie the story the acting and the characters are the parts that suffer the most and i think drags this movie from like at all interesting to just like not worth it mediocre in the worst way the characters are like i have like different pieces on each character and you like feel free to interrupt me okay um the first you got christine she just, like, talks in riddles the whole time. She she constantly has her mouth hanging open in confusion or fascination. And even though she's the main character, I feel like I don't know her at all. She is completely at the whim of the men in her life, including her dead father. Like, her dead father has more agency in this movie than she does. How is that even possible? <laughs> she, clearly, she's, like, a talented, like, singer, right? But she, like... I never got a sense that she actually wanted the spotlight or, like, that she even cares that she's the lead. Like, does she work hard? Is she, like, is she just naturally talented? Is she a good person? I don't get any of that. She was a good singer because she got the lessons from the Phantom. Okay, but, like, that's very much the Phantom, right? That's (laughs) not her. That's true. Like, she's just, like, like you said earlier, she was groomed by the Phantom. That's, like, her That's her character is that, like, she was... And she has a dead father who is interesting. But, like, what about her? You know, right. I don't, I don't know. Her, yeah, and like, the very first line, I think, that she says, I think exemplifies her, like, whole demeanor really perfectly. She says, it's Raul, before my father died, at the house by the sea. I guess you could say we were childhood sweethearts. He called me Little Lottie. It's like, did any of these, these are all a bunch of non-sequiturs, none of those connect. <laughs> <laughs> like, this, her father died at the house by the sea? Like, wait, did, did her father die at the house by the sea, or is that where she met Raul? Like, before, <laughs> I... I I don't know, I, don't, I can't make sense of this. And, like, throughout the movie, she's just like that. She's like, there's this one scene where she says something like, um, they're like, oh, they're gonna give her the lead role. And she's like, I don't know who my, my teacher is. It's like, shut up! <laughs> just shut up! Like, they're trying to give you the lead part! Why are you try, Why are you sabotaging yourself? No one cares!
0: Yeah, it blows my mind that he didn't already have an understudy, though. I, like, I'm sure that yeah. makes actual theater kids cringe to be like,
1: oh, you guys didn't have an understudy. Like, yeah, you want this to fail? Yeah, you, yeah that's like, the, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the managers of the movie, like, as as funny and entertaining as they are, they are terrible, terrible owners. Like, So, fatal. yeah, let's
0: talk business real quick, if we're going to talk okay, about okay. backups and stuff like that. you ob- After that amazing show that she put on the first night, you obviously let her keep going, right? You let like Christine still star in the show, right?
1: Yeah, I, I feel like... Even, yes. even
0: if that means bending to the will of the phantom. I feel like that's the, the, the choice. Christine is apparently just as talented as Carlotta, but mm. she doesn't come with the prima donna like baggage baggage yeah so you know the show gone now you don't have an understudy anymore because you're using your understudy but that's fine because it's this one probably won't walk out under her own power like yeah because she has to live in that freaking house yeah <laughs> that freaking opera house yeah
1: <laughs> so <laughs> she's literally on call like right there i didn't think that was the best
0: <laughs> move i felt like that was going against the grain so i agree with your prognosis that
1: these two guys don't know what they're doing as yeah, far as the really business don't. goes okay then, then there's the phantom right Okay, again we already covered he's, he's classic nice guy yes um he's creepy and weird he has his own little private cave where he sulks around and writes operas and practices magic like and then he goes around pretending to be a ghost and refuses to show his face like why are we supposed to like this guy again like why is he interesting
0: well i'll tell you know. i'll give you a reason he's interesting
1: he has okay. the he has the power to put out candles did you, did you see that oh my god those 2004 special effects just made me crazy. i just like, couldn't believe <laughs> well
0: i was trying to figure out what exactly happened there because i was like okay he's a real ghost he's out here putting out fires yeah all the fires without doing anything he's just like i work? will yeah like i have sucked the oxygen from the room I am, my presence
1: will be felt you know he comes in <laughs> like what yeah i really like the parts where they kind of explain how he did his tricks i thought that was the most interesting stuff because it like it added some mystery he was like oh this guy's not really a ghost he's like he's not really supernatural he's just pretending like that's that's kind of cool that's kind of batman-esque in a way yes it is batman-esque we'll get into that in a little bit yeah yeah okay then there's but like yeah he feels totally entitled to christine um because he taught her but again like she has no idea who he is like their, their relationship dynamic is totally like mixed messages like, he is like oh i'm gonna teach you how to sing because you know i really like to sing and I, I guess i like you but then he thinks that means that she's gonna fall in love with him when she's just like she sees him as like a father slash mentor figure in her life right
0: she thinks that it might be her dad it's like the angel yeah of that's music. like a whole
1: thing <laughs> it's like i think it's my father speaking to me from past the grave and everyone's just like You're crazy. (laughs) You're really crazy. (laughs) Which I think is... Okay, actually,
0: during the movie, when I was watching, I was like, everyone keeps telling Christine that she's nuts. Every time she tries to, like, uh, divulge this information to anyone, they're like, Christine, you're you're off your rocker, Christine. (laughs) But actually, uh, she is saying some pretty
1: crazy stuff. Yes. Yeah. She is. Definitely does not have her head screwed on tight enough, I don't think. She's definitely, like, Really existential. She's very much like, oh, some guy's interested in me. Let me pay attention to him. Oh, there's some other guy's paying attention to me. Let me pay attention to him. Let's never make a decision. <laughs> you know, which like gives me to my next point, which is Raoul. You know, is Raoul supposed to be the hero of this story? But he isn't. He the Gaston in this Beauty and the Beast situation, like the pretty boy who like also feels entitled to the girl. And like he, when he when he puts when the Phantom puts Ra- um. Christine, in that impossible situation at the end when Raul is tied up and crying, Raul is playing along with the phantom. He's like, I'd rather die than have you choose him, Christine. Like, stop making this harder for her. Let's just, like, shut up and let her make the decisions and get out of this alive, you idiot. Gosh. <laughs> just play along. Like, oh I thought God, it was an so interesting dumb.
0: choice to have the love story between Raul and Christine happen. Before the movie, that's the prequel. Mm. Where actually, they probably could make that prequel. Call it Little Lottie, and it's yeah. a it's a prequel about Christine and Raoul uh, in their <laughs> in their in their little getaway by the beach uh, as when they're like kids, but. Because of that, she's automatically got this history with both of them. So, yeah. with the, I guess it, they, by having that, they can lean hard on that and be like, "We don't have to show any reason for them to be endeared to each other at all. It's just They're automatic. Just Check that box. They're already into it."
1: Yeah, and the whole little Lottie thing seems more than a little demeaning to me. You know, like oh, little Lottie. It seems to so like, like I don't know, jo- Like I don't know, joking. I, that's not the word I want to use. It's like, um what's it condescending yeah a little bit you know and okay the worst thing about Raoul is that he doesn't understand how masquerades work <laughs> <laughs> he shows up without a mask that's like the one rule <laughs>
0: that i feel like that's something prince charming from shrek 2 would have done you know he's like but you know but mommy you'd cover up my face
1: my face <laughs> <laughs> i have to give the people what they want <laughs> okay so my favorite character in this movie is uh carletta is that Corletta? Corletta? I don't know. Um, Carlotta? She's like Carlotta. <laughs> I don't know. I can't...
0: It's really hard to tell. Do these guys even she... watch the movie? <laughs> <laughs> oh
1: so, my she, like, she is, um, she's someone you're supposed to hate, right? Like, she's like the prima donna. She's like the diva of the show. And she's like, she's also like a crowd draw. because She's like a big star. But I'm so, I'm so confused by her. Is she supposed to be a? A bad singer, like she seems pretty good, but like everyone ri- winces when she like hits those notes at the beginning. You know, like, we mentioned that earlier, how like it seems kind of off or something. Yeah, and like I don't know, I'm not a super good judge of like how good people are at singing. Like I feel like that's really a subjective thing, but she was like she was kind of missing there a little bit. I feel like her range was a little limited. But okay, if you're doing an opera like you can't have any of the characters in your opera be bad singers. You're but talking about when,
0: the fan of the opera and the whole you, the whole project here.
1: Yes, yes. But like if you're if you're doing that, then you can't have any but what if one of your characters is a bad singer in the opera? It's like you're you're stuck, right? You can't have your bad you can't have a bad singer in your opera because that would make the whole opera worse. But what if your character one of your characters is a bad singer? Like you're stuck, and so she's not, like, I feel like it's not clear enough whether or not she's a bad singer or whether that's, like, even a point to be made. I don't, I'm so confused by that whole thing. I didn't get that
0: impression. Her name is Carlotta, also. I just okay. I just Googled it. She, But I, I didn't feel like she was supposed to be a bad singer outside of that one scene where she gets, like, something in her windpipe and she... Has those awkward like she tries to hit the high notes and she can't and everybody laughs at her. Um, outside of that, I felt like she probably was good enough to sing. But it is it is an interesting idea that whole like if you have to have a bad singer in your opera to uh you, suddenly your the project that you're making your opera becomes about an worse. opera <laughs> becomes worse. It's kind of like the in Idiocracy when there's all mm. these ridiculously stupid jokes like these this humor that's supposed to be the lowest level of intelligence possible and it's like yeah but also. You're showing that to your audience in the movie, but also you're showing it to me, the audience of the movie that you're showing that movie to. Yes, so it's like, yes. that, I, like you, you kind of have that problem where it goes all the way. So um, I think that, that is interesting, but I don't think Carlotta was a bad
1: singer. Um, I don't think she was either. I, like, objectively, from my point of view, I think she was fine. But like, okay, she has a couple of really good points in here which adhere me to her uh, um, like, incredibly. So first, when the Phantom drops the curtain on her, And she's like, these things do not happen. And I think this is supposed to be seen as like her being like really unreasonable, but she has every right to be mad about this. Like, this is a safety hazard. The guy who is supposed to be up there is like, oh, what is is the quote? Gosh. Okay, he says, uh, I swear, monster, there was no one up here. If there was, well, he must be a ghost. <laughs> like, that's, a, that's bold words from the guy whose fault it is. What a cheeky comment! Like, oh my God! <laughs> so ooh, sorry, you almost died. <laughs> that was totally my fault. Yeah, but was it a ghost instead. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Spooktober. These things happen. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was like, what the heck? That's a fire! Like I would, like <laughs> you're endangering the safety of my cast. Like get out of here. It seemed like that guy wasn't well liked, anyways. Yeah, he got hung and. Yeah, that was crazy. Um, but yeah, she's like, these things do not happen. Don't let this happen again. I don't care how it ha- like how you do it. Just don't let it happen. And it's like, yeah, she's totally right. This is a results based thing. If these if, like, imagine if that had happened during a performance, or like, you know, you don't know why it happened. It could have been some faulty equipment. It can't be, like, or it could be a ghost, but you don't know that at this point. It's so so frustrating that like she's so shown as the bad guy in that situation when she's clearly right. And the second time is when they have the uh, the second worst song in the movie, uh, the letters song, where they all receive the letters.
0: Hard disagree. I love. Yeah. I love any song
1: <sighs> that those the owners were involved in. But
0: continue. Okay.
1: Okay. No, I did not like the song. And um, so Corletta shows up. Corlotta shows up, and she's like, "I got a letter." And all and like, we all were reading these letters out loud. All of these letters are benefiting Christine. Clearly, she's the one behind it, and she's right. Like the Phantom. The Phantom is acting on Christine's behalf, but the Phantom is like totally being selfish. She's like, "I'm gonna cast my crush in this movie." Like, <laughs> he's the, the director. He's the, the director that is sleeping with the main, like, the lead actress. Like, it's so like scummy and weird. Like, are you trying to make the best offer possible, or are you just trying to promote yourself? Like, I'm gonna make Carlotta the scene, the character that doesn't speak. Yeah, it's like <laughs> she's the only reason she's there is because she's like a popular. Character like an actress like why would you resign? She should not have to resign herself to a second rate role in my opinion. Like she has every right to stand up for herself in that situation. She's trying to look out for herself. I feel like she's totally in the right here. So what's what? What do you think the Phantom's intentions
0: are though? What's he trying to get at here? Because I thought it seemed like he was trying to get uh his crush into the spotlight. That seemed like to yeah, be the angle. Yeah, yeah. But it's like. You're going to get in your own way if you're also pissing off someone who's known to get dramatic at the same time,
1: right? Yeah, yeah. I I mean, I think it's, I think he overestimates how much power he has over the people. Like, I, that's kind of clear throughout where, like, they don't really respect him, even though he kind of gives them a lot of reasons to fear him. But, like, they're just like, whatever. Like, I don't care. Like, this guy is just clearly being a... A crazy person i mean raul literally says there is no phantom of the opera which is like one of the dumbest things he could have said at that moment because like at that point he had already heard a voice there have been weird notes like throughout that like, people have shown about christine christine talks about the angel of music which is someone who's literally talking to him who he doesn't listen to someone just died on stage <laughs> like clearly something's going on raul maybe it's not a ghost maybe he's a real person but there is someone acting like the phantom of the opera let's say there is no phantom of the opera is one of the dumbest things you could say in that moment like <laughs> that's our hero that's our raul that's our raul <laughs> or raul raul yeah i know is. i've been Raoul. i've
0: been leaning hard into the saint calling raul it's definitely raul but um <laughs> raul was easier to spell in my notes so <laughs> yes
1: it is that's how i'm saying it. <laughs> um okay so i think the most uh already ta- i do there's one point that i think like hammers home why this movie is bad and it's that it's trying to be able to be this mass appeal opera you know it's so concerned with being simple to understand and full of modern and catchy tunes that it completely sacrifices any of the actual drama and appeal of a, of a real opera i think the most like egregious example of this is the sword fight between raoul and the phantom um because it feels like they're like they only put this in here to say hey Look, our opera has a sword fight in it. Isn't that cool? Are we cool yet? <laughs> Hello, fellow kids. Don't you like sword fights? But, like, this sword fight is not even that well done. There's all these, like, weird cuts in it that don't connect. There's, like, one part where, like, most of the action is obscured by a tree branch. And because, the, like, the cinematography is so deliberate in this movie and it, it's, like, so good throughout, I have to believe that that was totally on purpose just so they didn't have to choreograph a sword fight, which is so lazy in a movie about singing and dancing. <laughs>
0: They're like, yeah, oh yeah, we don't want to put any choreography in our Come musical.
1: <laughs> so, yeah, I just don't like, I feel like they're trying to appeal to too many people at once when they really should just be saying, hey, why don't we make an awesome opera? Why don't we make something that's so good that people will appreciate it even if they don't like operas? You know, I feel like that's possible, and this movie does not deliver on it.
0: Well, I was a little upset when they got to that fight scene that, uh, uh, Joel Schumacher strayed so far from the uh, the formula that he had in Batman and Robin because I was kind of what? well, I was kind of hoping that like the Phantom would like land in the snow and be like, "Ice to meet you," or oh,
1: something. My God. <laughs> hey, Raúl, I'm the Phantom. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: see, surfs down, yes, yeah, uh, surfs down the gravestones. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: oh my god
1: yeah at the end of that scene too it doesn't even make sense like because Raul was like about to kill him right and then the, uh, the phantom <laughs> yeah
0: no th- I mean, th- that actually yeah that one is something I have a <laughs> bone to pick in the graveyard <laughs> because they okay so Raul and the phantom are fighting the phantom clips him on the arm he's yeah. bleeding pretty heavily Uh, it's getting all over his white frilly shirt and then, but he doesn't give up. Our hero Raúl uh, keeps fighting and eventually disarms the Phantom, has him on his back. I mean, that you know, Raúl's got him where he wants him, and he's yeah. about to stab him and, and end
1: this movie when Christina's like, "No, not like this." You know, don't. And that's like the literally the first time that Raúl even listens to her, right? Ra- like, yeah, anything that she says <laughs> in this movie, he's just like, "Oh, now I won't kill yeah. him."
0: you're right. Now I won't kill him. And uh, so the, he's, you know, he doesn't say this, but he's basically like, "I've given you another chance, Phantom. Like now yeah. you can finally redeem yourself. You've, you, this is where your life should have ended. But because we've shown you mercy, because I, Raúl, showed you big time mercy here, you mm. should get up and and change the change the way you live your life. Instead, the Phantom's like." Well, now I have to kill both of them,
1: and it's like, dude, you <laughs> what? How did you how did you miss how'd that? You, like, yeah, how did you misinterpret that entire exchange? Like, I, I
0: I when that happened, I uh I wrote down. I was like, this is where the movie should end. The fandom should learn. Yeah something we'll see a little bit of epilogue the phantom is now dating like an older woman and everything's better but instead he's like oh now i'm just gonna go kill them and and which leads to raul being like okay what's the best way to catch the phantom we'll do his play and we'll make sure that there are scenes in it where people wear masks so that he can slip into this into the show undetected. Okay, I'm getting way too far past the graveyard here, but he should have. He he. I I'm disappointed with his actions after being spared.
1: Yeah, I I totally agree. And because the fan- nobody really like grows or changes in this movie. Like everyone's kind of the same when they start as when they end. It's like there's no arc. There's no like. There's not even like a lot of decisions made really. And the Phantom is just as crazy and silly as. As he was at the beginning, um, and he's just so obsessed with Christine. he never gets over it, so okay, well, here's something. What
0: about that the woman i, f- I forgot her name, but it's the 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 little girl who saves the phantom initially oh, um madam madame Madam Madame Giri. D- didn't she have some responsibility in all this? She basically let him in there, and she kind of is on his team, you know, yeah, she's
1: like protecting him by like not like by keeping people away from his like lair. And, like, telling people not to to fuck with him. Yeah. You know, not to to screw with him. So, yeah. She doesn't change either. She sees, oh, he murdered someone? No, that's too bad. Like, but he's been murdering people for years, so. I think, yeah, why didn't she end up, like, I thought that would have been kind of interesting. I mean, probably not, but it would have been kind of interesting to see if she was really in love with the Phantom. And she, like, went after him, you know, like, pursued him. And he, like, rejected her or whatever. Like, that would have been, that would have kind of been interesting in a way i just
0: felt it was it was just kind of weird she was like the gatekeeper to the phantom but she had like mm-hmm. no moral compass outside of just like i want what's best for my girls but did you really yeah. though because she kind of seemed like she wanted christine She kind of up-
1: served up christine to him. yeah
0: her. so i don't know she's she, i think <laughs> in a court of law she may get uh aiding in abetting here mm. but uh but okay well i I thought one of the things that was interesting about the Phantom was he was way more multidimensional than I was expecting. They kind of okay. they list off kind of all his jobs. He's an architect, an artist, a uh, composer, a m- uh, magician. But he's also a lot of other things. He's also a master of automation, which I guess you could just put under engineer. But, I mean, at this point in history, in 1870, I believe, is when this, this story takes place. Yeah, yeah. He is an absolute genius. When he's taken her <laughs> down, first off, the trip down into his grotto, where, uh, like, it's a real shame that this guy was... <laughs> it's a real shame that he was uh, alive in the 1870s and not, like the 1950s or whenever Disney World started, because this guy could have made some dank theme park rides. He was cut bringing her down with multiple modes of transportation. First, 1st oh they're walking down the hallway with all the arms at the torches with the candles. And, yeah, that was weird. And then, uh, and then he's walking, uh, getting on a horse that's underground, riding the horse and getting off the horse and getting in a boat. Who's going to take away their horse? The horse is going to be like, okay, now What? you know are there carrots somewhere near and then so they get so they get in the boat right and they and they're going down through the boat and as the boat approaches the boat's not on a track not that I can see maybe it is on a track yeah. but it is it,
1: he got no he got the big the big stick he got a, he's a gondola you know whatever that's that is that could be here. just
0: for show but what i'm saying is that At some point, it triggers the mechanisms that make his uh, automated pillars rise from underneath the water to give them this wonderful display as they enter. And I'm like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. (laughs) Who's who's powering all this? Where does the Phantom get the energy from this? Is he... and so that, I thought that was an interesting thing that he had going for him especially when the trap for Raul he can just set automated traps that will kill people like without even being there it's not like Raul fell through a trap door and landed on a pit uh, a bed of spikes Raul fell through the trapdoor, landed landed a body of water, and his thing started lowering on him. Uh, yeah. Now that I think about it, that could easily be a weight or something. But the fact that it's all done hands-free is just really impressive, but, the is. Phantom. He's a, uh, he's a true master of automation. But that's not all. The Phantom was also literally Batman. Mm. <laughs> not only because <laughs> this movie was directed by Joel Schumacher, but also because he's... Su- I would say he's rich. I would say, at the very least, he's got a steady income. When they,
1: Yeah, he's wearing some really nice clothes. He's got all that stuff and everything. He lives in that nice, I mean, he lives in that nice opera. Tw- I don't know how he eats or anything, but like.
0: The 20,000 francs a month. Uh, yeah,
1: that's, that's a pretty good stipend. I
0: guess so. I actually don't know what the currency rate for, or the conversion rate for francs, but 20,000 of anything, especially back in the 1870s, probably a good bit of money uh, that would add to the narrative that this guy is at least similar to Batman.
1: He, yeah, definitely. But
0: he also lives in a freaking cave, so that's Batman-esque. He's got a, he's got a cape. He's never, never missed an opportunity to wear a cape. Uh, He even employs bat smoke in his escape from the masquerade when he's coming down there to flex on everybody and be like, guess what? I'm back. And then uh, he gets away with his bat smoke. He has the ability to sneak around in the dark undetected, like when he was uh, spying on uh, Christine and Raul on the rooftop. He was just behind the gargoyles.
1: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and uh
0: and just like batman he absolutely kills people so oh, yeah. uh i would say the phantom and, the, and batman very very similar characters here
1: let me add one more thing to that list which is not necessarily a batman thing but it's, it's like related he definitely has some weaponized hallucinogens when he like has that whole thing with uh the mirrors and the smoke and everything yes and christine like is like like totally en- enraptured by the whole thing and she doesn't see like the uh, false like door and a window or whatever and all the people's arms in the hallway which isn't there like you go back there later with um not Christ- kirsten Dunst, right yes. and it looks totally different <laughs> so she she's like you know there's some weaponized hallucinogens in that in that mist there
0: that, wow i didn't actually think of it that way but that's so uh scarecrow uh of him <laughs> jesus uh okay and the last one is the family opera definitely he's a wannabe vampire this guy would yes. thrive under the tutelage of Tom Cruise in uh, *Interview for a Vampire*. I think I think Brad Pitt was a pretty good choice. He's a pretty boy. I mean, Brett, in this movie, Jared Butler isn't a pretty boy at all, but he would definitely love to be a vampire. The, the way that he's, like, you know, g- sweeping her away, kind of abducting yeah, her, kind yeah. of. And he's uh, caressing her and touchling, you know, and they're getting close with her neck exposed. I was like, dang, dude, if he bites her right now, I would not be surprised. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh... So very multi-dimensional, interesting guy, the the Phantom. But I say that with a little bit of uh, hyperbole, I guess, because I'm I'm kind of adding all those things on top. (laughs) I'm kind of extrapolating some of those. But um, I thought he was. was, I definitely didn't know uh, this that he had all these dimensions to him before I saw this movie. No, I
1: didn't either. I I think you bring up a lot of good points. Yes. um, (laughs)
0: Last thing I have for overall section before we start talking songs is. I think that the the real interesting story is of the ownership of the opera here. That's what's really uh, interesting because it's yeah. it is somewhat haunted. Whether or not he's a uh, otherworldly. You know, body. Whether he's a ghoul from another like dimension or something, doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah. The fact is, he haunts the fan, the the opera, and the guy who sold them the opera at the beginning of the movie. I just imagine him reading a newspaper and be like, "Oh, the whole place burned to the ground. Not a surprise. Like I got out <laughs> just in time. You know? <laughs> yeah,
1: With the- He had- he could not wait to leave. Like that was great. I'm
0: assuming they didn't have insurance back then because when the place went up in flames, the owners were like, "We're." ruined uh which were we supposed to root for that i was kind of hoping that they'd get out financially secure (laughs) so i don't know
1: i don't know what we were supposed to take away from this movie
0: (laughs) well that was uh i thought that was an interesting aspect the whole ownership anyways
1: (gasps) yeah i thought so too that was good
0: obviously this movie is musical and it's got music so let's talk about it um the first one i want to talk about is the iconic namesake song, The Phantom Mm -hmm. of the Opera. Okay, so I think that this song is used to g- good dramatic effect a few times in the movie because it's it is so uh, striking. The ban, you know those those chords, you you know them without even knowing them, you know. Them. And then yeah, the uh, the rock and drums, keyboard that is throughout, uh, and that iconic melody. It's 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 a memorable song. I, I think it's especially when you get the first transition from black and white to color. I think that was done really well. Yeah, me too. And it kind of... uh, Whenever I see something like this, where it's like iconic, something I have never seen, but other people have enjoyed for a long time, uh, and it's very famous, I'm always looking for like the, oh, that's why this is famous, you know? And I kind of got that feeling uh, the first time I heard, when when you get like the overture at the beginning of this.
1: Yeah. um, I think it... I think it gets really old really fast, personally. I think it gets I think it gets used a lot more than it should. I think it would be better if it was used less and more to, like, ex- show, like, oh, the Phantom, you know, like... Because it is his theme, whatever, but... And there is a little... There's, like, a little bit of play. Like, it does kind of change slightly depending on the situation, but I think it's just, like... It's like, oh, the Phantom's here, let's use his theme. Like, it's not... There's nothing... It's so... It's used so much that it just gets really tired. And I kind of... I kind of ruined this for myself. I found this YouTube video, um, which is called "How uh, um, Lo- Andrew Lloyd Webber writes." Um, uh, wrote the Phantom of the opera, and it's just some guy sitting like on his bed with like a keyboard, and he's like, the first thing he plays he's like, oh, "That's good enough. I'll write that down." It's like when you see it like done, or sheet it played, you see how just how simple it is. It's just like, is this really like worthy of? the acclaim that it's kind of holding itself to well i don't know
0: we'll link to that in the description i haven't seen it yet but i'll check it out after um but yeah the the namesake of it i i think there's definitely a level of uh Ico- iconosity, iconic Iconog- iconography iconography is that actually it that's a real word right i'm I, going with yes. i think i Icon- <laughs> i think that's it's a real word but it's something else but anyways yes um it's iconic uh the next song is actually i think at the end of the day this is my favorite song from family opera and it's
1: i think this is my least favorite one <laughs> <laughs> and it's masquerade
0: Andre, what a splendid party! The prologue to a bright new year. Quite a night, I'm impressed. From what a best. Here's to us the toast for the city. What a pity that the phantom can't be here! okay so one of the reasons this is my favorite song is because at the beginning we get a little exchange between andre and or whoever his name is because they say they say it too quick for me I can't. andre and partner and uh i think it's i i like that leading into this, the actual melody of the song which i also really enjoy the masquerade paper faces on parade um
1: Masquerade. yeah it's
0: it's definitely a earworm uh,
1: repetitive too i don't
0: <laughs> think they say anything in the actual song like at no. all <laughs> but they don't, but a 100% all. but i like to sing and dance along and if you look at our twitter actually it's it's my twitter but it'll be on the affable chat twitter soon i made a edit of a part of this song where there's a guy in a mask obviously at the masquerade who gets in the middle of a dance circle and he starts like dancing and i put it to the tune of one of those that like this old vine song is like huh, hodo do it yeah, and I like synced <laughs> it up so he hits that, yeah, like at the right times. It's pretty good. good. So definitely check that out. But that's exactly what came to mind when I saw that, him dancing in that circle. This, this also might be my favorite choreography uh, in the mm. movie because there actually is like a lot of group dancing here. Uh, but
1: with fans and stuff, yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. I feel like it's, I don't know, compared to Chicago at least, the dancing in this movie is very, it like, leaves a lot to be desired. I think this one is probably has the most interesting choreography. Um, but like, yeah, that little scene where he's like dancing stuff—I feel like that's just again, this movie trying to appeal to mass audiences when it really should not be. It's just like, why are you doing this? Like, it's—I don't know—corporate humor.
0: Sure. Well, I also liked the part where the the people, the less attractive people, the lowlings of the opera house, come and mm. steal all the booze, and then they have their own little party, and the. In the back.
1: Yeah, that, that was good. At, I, like I think that that's
0: part. where the real party's at. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so that's Masquerade. Next song that I think we should listen to is Think of Me. Andre, this is doing nothing for my nerves. Huh. She's very pretty. Think of me, think of me fondly when we've said goodbye. Remember me once in a while, please. Promise me you'll try. Then you'll find that once again you long to take your heart back. Okay, so this song obviously another one that's iconic. I'm pretty sure this was one of the embedded tracks on my uh keyboard when I was younger when I used to do oh, piano right. lessons. <laughs> you could like it was like function twelve or something. You could play a song yeah, yeah. and be the key the piano part to this. So, um I think that may be where I really get the memory of this song. But as soon as I heard it, I was like, Oh, this song. And uh it also features one of the for me, one of the more splendid transitions where she goes from practicing or more or less auditioning the song during a practice into yeah. the actual night of the performance, and you get to see all the people there, and it's well lit, and she's wearing this beautiful dress, and it's uh it's splendid, and then you get to see Raúl br- uh bring us to it's the first part of the movie where you see singing that isn't f- uh happening in Party real on. life, yeah, 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 yeah. When Raul starts yeah. singing. So uh, also a pretty important part. So
1: yeah, she has a really good voice and really kills it. Yeah. Um, it's awesome. But yeah, that's all. I have. Yeah. That's all I have to say to you.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Next one up is the music of the night. So I thought this one was important because you get to really hear Gerard Butler sing, and he kills it. There are definitely some triumphant parts of this somewhat long song, uh, but what I what is disappointing for me? Yeah, this song's like eight minutes long. Uh, it the problem is that he, the I don't get convinced that the Phantom really has an argument for why she should stay with him. He yeah. he has his music that only she can bring to life. Uh, he says, "You alone can." Make my song take flight. So there's his motivation. So, but why? Wh- and also mm, a little bit extra, right? Oh, <laughs> remember all this. Remember all this. Remember all those lessons I gave you. Mm. <laughs> you know, a little bit extra, <laughs> you know. Like, <laughs> but also he says you'll live as you've never lived before, and you can maybe say that this is implying that her stardom will reach a new level. Maybe, but she's already kind of a star. She's out there at the
1: and like, does she even want that? You know? Yeah. Like that's never. I feel like he, I, I, I assumes that that's what she wants, but like she's never, she never says like, "Oh, I wish I was as big as Carlotta," you know. I, I wish I was a well-known, you know, singer or something, yeah. or like I could bring my music to the world. Like she never says any of that. She's just like, "Oh, I like to sing," I guess. Like, I guess I'm a good singer. Yeah, I think I don't the know. closest
0: thing we get to knowing what she wants is when she's like, "Oh, uh, he didn't recognize me, Raúl," She was like, kind of dep- like a little bit sad about that. Yeah, yeah. other than that maybe she wants to make her dad happy but
1: and she's not sure if he's dead or not that was confusing
0: <laughs> so I didn't think that while I do like this song and I think that Gerard Butler really belts it out especially when he yeah. gets to hold those really long notes and the uh, instrumental drops out and you just hear he's like ah! Like, that's really that's long. Very opera, yeah. It, yeah, it's very opera, and I like it a lot. I, I actually i am blown away by Gerard Butler
1: singing in this movie. Yeah, what did you think of his, like, kind of, like, his, like, rasp kind of thing where he kind of, like, oh, he, like, he kind of, like, breathes into the words? I'm not sure how to describe it exactly, but, like, it's kind of an interesting style. It makes him sound kind of, like, almost ghostly yeah. in a way. Well, I honestly
0: didn't think it was his. <laughs> Whenever he started yeah. singing I was like wow Jared Butler he is killing it with the lip sync and <laughs> but I it's him it is him so uh I think uh, overall I think hit uh, masterful performance especially from behind the mask uh, yeah. Yeah, as uh Tom Hardy can attest sometimes it, you really got to up the ante when you're behind the mask which I think his singing is better than his acting in this movie probably yes. <laughs> but um you know he still had to yeah. overcome that hurdle but
1: yeah i do kind of i do like i do like uh performances that the actors wear a mask the whole movie i think that's really cool it's really interesting uh because it's like it's a show of like i care more about the performance than i care about my face and like the face is always like the moneymaker like they hire famous actors because like their face is the draw right um but like and like uh, v for vendetta i think is a perfect example or like that movie dread with carl urban like Hugo Weaving and Carl Urban in those movies, like never show their face, and it's like true to the character, and it makes you like appreciate their performance so much more because they can act through the mask. It's pretty amazing. I don't think Gerard Butler really does that. In the, movie. the he sings, but he doesn't really act that well.
0: The uh, movies where you have to wear a mask the entire time in the industry, they actually refer to that as a reverse Raul. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs>
1: You have me been that whole time. <laughs>
0: but back to back to the music of the night. I um, I just don't. This is the point where he's got her where he wants her, and he's trying to convince her that this is the life she wants now. And he's saying you'll live as you'll as you've never lived before. And to me, that just means you'll live in my musty grotto. That's it. So <laughs> I don't think it's a very convincing argument.
1: This is my swamp. <laughs> This is my swan. <laughs>
0: Shrek the Opera. That. <laughs> Wait, isn't Sh- isn't there a Shrek the Musical or
1: Shrek the Play? I don't
0: know. I think Shrek was on Broadway. I'm pretty sure.
1: It probably was. Has to be. I, mean, I definitely have seen costumes. How can you not like, have like, that live action? Yeah, how can Shrek. you not have
0: Shrek on Broadway? Okay. Shrek on Vice. Moving, keeping it moving forward. Uh, we're gonna go. We're gonna listen to "Past the Point of No Return."
1: No use resisting Abandon thought And let the dream descend
0: What raging fire shall
1: flood the soul? What rich desire unlocks its door? What sweet seduction lies before?
0: The point of no return. The final threshold. What warm unspoken secrets will we learn Beyond the Point of No.
1: I, I really like this song. This is the one song I actually like. I think it's, like, really grand, very opera-like. It obviously takes place during one of the opera scenes within the opera, Phantom of the Opera. Um, I think it's interesting and dynamic. Like, the music kind of changes throughout, and there's this interesting repetition between the, like, the last um, word of each line. I think it has some depth to it, too, just because, like, Christine kind of has to make a decision in this moment, too, about whether she's going to play along with the Phantom, because clearly she recognizes it. Um although like it's hard to say what her expression is because her face never really changes. So
0: the, yeah, it's actually I was a little bit confused by that scene. So can we break it down? So sure. He's got his play that he's written where there's a trap laid to get somebody and yeah. there's two guys who are disguised as each other. And
1: Okay, wait, wait. <laughs> so there's there's a trap laid in the fan of the opera. And then there's for the phantom of the opera. And then. Right, yes. A tra- then there's an, uh, the, the opera that the phantom wrote. Yes. Is about a trap. It's called Don Juan,
0: in- is the name. So yes. in Don Juan, in, in the story of Don Juan. Don
1: Juan. Right. In Don Juan and in Phantom of the Opera, uh, Christine is the bait in both situations. But like, how do they not realize that when they were practicing this like how do they not realize that that they're going to set a trap during the trap scene like how did like oh we're being so clever it's like no he's thought of this already he clearly knows that you're trying to trap him like i don't i don't understand no. at all okay
0: wait just just at a very microscopic <laughs> level we're looking at just sure. the scene in don juan forget the uh, exterior okay okay I couldn't figure out what the heck was going on. There's the two guys who are wearing masks, and he's like, here, go behind the curtain. The trap is laid. And that's where... Why was he? Why were those two guys looking exactly the same? I, I don't get what the trap in Don Juan was.
1: Oh, I have no idea. I, I assume that, like, they were still setting it up, I guess? Because Don Juan shows up and, like, because the Phantom is playing Don Juan at that point, right? Yeah. And he shows up and is like, like you can't, you won't be able to resist me, or whatever. Or maybe that, maybe they're trapping him with her. Okay, I don't know anyway. I don't know
0: either. But um, I thought it was interesting that they were able to bring his masterpiece to life without him. They all had like yeah. the costumes and stuff. Like, it was, uh, they had done pretty. It's quite a production. Yeah, he must have done a lot of design. Um, yeah. he's probably out of the time. But yeah, they're
1: not. They weren't overburdened by the fact that like this song isn't overburdened by the fact that it's repeated like ad nauseum, like the rest of the songs like this, this is the only time you hear it is during this, this scene which is i like because it kind of is refreshing and different
0: it's places. it's a double edged sword i think having your most icon like your best melodies be repeated throughout this the song yeah. the, the, the the opera because you can have it's memorable people are like ooh good back to this one at least it's not worse than this one i remember this one but at the same time it's the uh cost uh like you you're paying a heavy price because now not only You've reused that song, which means you can't have a new song. So exactly. uh, it's, it, it's a,
1: it takes up space that would otherwise be used for more creative endeavors. Right. So that's our section on the songs. So now let's go a little deeper. 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 All right. You want to go first, or do you want me to go? First? I want you to go
0: first. Okay.
1: So I think the most interesting part of this, like theme of this movie, which they don't really touch on a lot, but it's still interesting is this idea that how the world sees you influences who how you see yourself like you see this with the phantom right like you see that he's been rejected by society and that all in all these things and it um like plays a heavy price it makes him into this you know hermit who's crazy and obsessed with this young girl like he's, he's clearly like repressing and you know dealing with a lot of issues Partially because he's been constantly rejected by society, but part of the reason he's been constantly rejected by society is because he is such a creep and weird. Like, it's a feedback loop, really. And, you know, maybe it, maybe it wasn't his fault at the beginning, but it's definitely his fault at the end. Um, but there's a couple of other things that kind of uh, show this, too. I think, like, Shrek is a great example of this, right? Shrek acts like he um, acts like he does because of the way that people treat him. People reject ogres just naturally, and so he acts more ogreish because of it. And he's very much, like, rude and, you know, non-apologetic because he thinks everyone's out to get him. And for the most part, he's kind of right. I think uh, there's um, the, the Netflix show, uh, American Vandal Season 1. Um, that one deals with the same idea of, like, someone becoming the criminal that people say that they are. And I think like even Jake Paul, who like is in the headlines right now just because of Shane Dawson's documentary series, which was really, really good uh, he he also kind of has to embrace the hate that's shown shown his way and in a way becomes a worse person because he's kind of playing to the idea that people hate him it's like it's this feedback loop, right, and it's this thing called meta perceptions that that uh, there's a really good article from Psychology today that it kind of shows this uh, whole idea, and there's one thing in there that I thought that was really interesting It said that um how your mother treated you when you were young has a big influence on how you see yourself later on in your life and actually in the original Phantom of the Opera book um they talk about how uh like after Christine removes the Phantom's mask um and she kisses him he says this is the first kiss I've ever received not even my mother kissed me and it kind of plays into the same idea like his mother rejected him and that's kind of the reason why he sees himself as this monster um and part of the reason why he acts like such a monster.
0: Yeah, I mean there was somebody th- had to give him to ahead, the circus.
1: <laughs> yeah, somebody did. Probably his mom. There's this other article I read from press publications that had a bunch of really interesting ideas, um, in it. And there's this this kind of idea that is portrayed throughout this movie. This idea of like fate. It kind of goes back to what Cor- uh, Corlotta was saying, um, earlier. Carlotta. I was talking Carlotta. Whatever her name was. Uh- I can't. I can't care. Enough <him>. She, uh, when, after the thing falls on her, right, and the guys say, these things happen. It's like this idea that the, the movie is trying to make a statement about fate, saying like, oh, some things are meant to be, or sometimes things happen to us for reasons beyond our comprehension. Um, but I, th- like, I think this is the wrong way of looking at it. I, I really don't like this sentiment. I, for me personally, I seek to understand why things um, work the way they are, even if that is insignificant. If I have a problem, then I treat, try to fix it. I don't. Leave it up to fate. And that, uh, this article from uh, Press Publications has the same idea. They say, successful people are adept at finding solutions to any problem. Those who con- con- continuously perceive life as a struggle have a tendency to find problems in every situation. There's a solution for every problem. It's your perception that enables you to discover it. And I think that's kind of the, the fandom's problem, in a way. <laughs> he doesn't seek to solve the problem he's in. He seeks to complain enough until someone loves him, which is never going to work.
0: That's why I'm saying he should have become a vampire. Him,
1: Yeah, man. <laughs> should have gone the other direction altogether. Have the
0: same exact problem for eternity. I think that would fit him perfectly. <laughs> but, okay, no, that was very um, insightful. I'm, uh, we'll have references in the description if you want to f- yeah, dive yeah. further into that. Um, so m- my uh, must-go-deeper topic, I guess, is um, it's about hype. Because this okay. this movie came out in two thousand four, I mean the the uh, it's very famous. Everybody's seen it seemingly, except us. The two of us just <laughs> saw it for the first time. Uh, for this We're podcast. the last two. Huh? Yeah. Seen it. <laughs> now they can finally cross it off the list. Everyone's seen it. <laughs> Take it off Netflix. <laughs> it's done. Um, but I. So the way that I approach movies uh, that I know I'm going to watch, I regularly avoid watching the trailers um, to the point where I'm actually kind of crazy about it. Like I'll get up and walk <laughs> out of the theater if they're showing a trailer for a movie. I'm definitely going to see like uh, like Infinity War 2, whatever that's going to be called. You yeah. will not catch me watching any trailers for that because i'm obviously gonna see it no matter what there's not something in the trailer where i'm gonna be like oh okay now all right then you know okay i'll see this then you know like yeah, I, exactly. I'm-
1: I feel the same exact way you- and like when i worked at the movie theater this was like painful for me because they tra- played trailers in the lobby constantly on like a loop so i knew like the trailers inside and out and i don't know if you uh, you probably haven't noticed this but they actually do doctor like at least marvel does doctors the trailers so that they don't show you spoilers yeah, but it's it's
0: it's, it's all what you determine a spoiler to be. I think that yeah, yeah, yeah. spoilers don't necessarily just have to be plot exposition. Spoilers can also be how you feel about the movie, or even just the inclusion of a certain thing that you see. Uh, right. So, like when I saw the Millennium Falcon in uh, Star Wars Episode Seven, I was like whoa the millennium falcon oh wow you know like i i was like i can't believe that that's in this movie and and talking to people after they were like uh yeah did you watch any of the freaking trailers it was like millennium falcon millennium falcon millennium falcon i was like yeah, yeah. And, but i was totally blown away and i think i had a better viewing experience as a result because instead of being uh, knowing expecting that something like that's coming it uh like that intertextuality aspect of the movie really worked mm-hmm. on me that's getting really specific into that. Um, I, what I want to focus on here is the expectation. So yeah. what what kind of spoiled, I guess, the movie, even though I didn't know what happened in this Phantom of the Opera, other people had told me, oh, it's so good. I love Phantom of the Opera. You haven't seen Phantom of the Opera? And that <laughs> leads to higher expectations. It has to. It has to. Whether I want it to or not, my expectations were decently high for this movie. And with great expectations comes a great risk of disappointment. So I I think that if I'd seen this movie completely in a vacuum, I, my uh, criticisms may be a little less harsh, but I think in the back of my mind, it's always going up against maybe this perceived perception of other people being like, now this is filmmaking. This is the Mm. pinnacle of opera on the screen. And for me, uh, I think just by that, having already been a part of my perception of this movie, it influences my reaction. How did you feel? Did you feel like this movie lived up to the hype? I don't, I think I know your answer
1: no <laughs> um yeah i i mean i kind of had a similar experience i mean i i had heard a lot about the movie i had heard people don't the like people in like the theater world don't like andrew Lloyd Webber. theater
0: world meaning live theater people who are yeah, yeah, a- yeah. actors
1: yeah and um i i, I do not I, I don't understand why i guess it's something something about it that something about him that excuse me something about him that rubs him the wrong way or something. Maybe it's just so simple. The like the melodies are too simple or like the the story is doesn't make sense or whatever. Like I and I I can see that from this perspective. Or at least from this movie, I definitely am not impressed by his songwriting or his lyrics or any of that stuff. And he had a big part in this. I mean, Joel Schumacher was the uh director, but Andrew Lloyd Webber was the um he he made this into a musical and then he also uh produced this movie. So he had a hand in this and. Yeah, I don't think it lives up to the hype at all. I think it's just a really mediocre musical at best, and it's just kind of a boring love triangle at worst. So I don't know. It's just not. It's it's uh. It, there was nothing beyond that, you know, like all this stuff about why it was great or like, ooh, it's so good, or you should watch it. It's like, there's something special about this movie, and that's why I would like never recommend it.
0: I feel the same way. I'm not sure, again, if it was like me in a vacuum. I don't know if I would have spent so much time on it. I would have seen it yeah. and possibly forgotten about it the year after. But um, I think it's a good time to transition into our ratings, our overall mm. ratings. Uh, I'll go first. So for my rating, I give this movie one trip to my musky grotto to listen to my original music.
1: <laughs> I give this movie a week bravo and three claps. Bravo!
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, okay. Well, that concludes our review on the Phantom of the Opera. Up next, we're going to be watching Ex Machina, and a uh, so if you haven't seen it, you should see it, uh, especially because we're going to be doing a podcast episode on it. But it's a great movie; uh, definitely worth your time. Um, so yes, that will be our next one. So looking forward to yes, it. and we'll get on to that next week. So for Apple Chat. I'm Benjamin.
1: And I'm Joey. Thanks
0: for listening. Hey, thanks for listening to Affable Chat. You can find us on iTunes, Google, or your favorite podcast app. If you want to help us grow the podcast, share it, rate us five stars, and or write us a review. It really helps. Have a comment about something we said? Tweet at us at Affable Chat or write us an email, affablechat at gmail.com. Check the description for links to any of the outside topics we discussed And once again, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.